Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Margulis. Because within his pages there is something for us all And I am not professional, but I love basketball The squeaking of a sneakers, the echo in the hall But if I don't have enemies, I'm not doing my job I might throw out a curveball, but I never throw a lob And people criticize me, but I know it's not the end I try to kick the truth, not just to make fun But hey, diddle diddle to the people in the middle We got hot wax and it's cooking on the griddle Got the guitars to rum and the drama to rum And the people are humming in the rhyme but hey, diddle diddle to the people in the middle We got hot wax and it's cooking on the griddle Got the guitars to rumming, the drummer to rumming The people are humming and the vibe was loving What is up, doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel Roll Show We discuss a team, hopefully, that doesn't have a DC sports curse Like those caps and not the nets Your Washington Wizards Hello everyone, this is Adam McGinnis. It is the day the white man came over and gave the natives all those damn smallpox. Columbus Day, October 12th, 2016. With me tonight, what a treat. My co-host, a man that likes a nice red wine, a jazz album very smooth, and enjoys when his kid, who is very adorable, is with his in-laws or his parents. Mr. Rashad Mobley. Rashad, what is up, bro? How are you? What's going on? There's no jazz. There's no kid. He's asleep, but there definitely is some red wine. Good. I, I have some white wine. <laughs> good, good, good. That should make the, the podcast even better. Uh, even great. So where would you like to start? Uh, locker room talk about grabbing uh, vaginas, uh, Harambe dicks. Uh, I don't know. Where, where, would, you, where would you like to uh, begin this content? This- this Derrick Rose trial, where, where, how deep would you like to go in this podcast? <laughs> okay, I know this wasn't on the agenda we discussed, but the locker room talk, I think, it's funny because I've been in the NBA locker room since 2008 now, and I hear I hear players, you know, talking shit about one another. I hear jokes about where's the bottle of lotion so I can lotion up. You know, I hear all kinds of jokes, but I never hear anything about women. I mean, ever. Um, I have seen one player who I won't name um, kind of try to hit on a female reporter in his towel unsuccessfully. Uh, but aside from that, I, I never hear anything quite that raunchy in the locker room. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I've just I've never heard anything like that because I think the players they switch into this other mode when the media comes in and they know to kind of behave themselves. I mean, they still curse and. The music is loud. The music that they play sometimes is more offensive than anything else, but I've never heard locker room banter quite like that, although I, I hear that the baseball locker room is, is pretty is pretty raunchy. But that's just an aside. We don't. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. It was one of the first years I covered the team. I heard a bunch of, like, gay bashing one time to a, a pose. It was a, a guy on the Pacers, which I'm not going to name his name. And I remember I was telling Kyle, right. I was really turned off by it. 
And literally, dude, like two more, I think it was like the next year is when Kobe got busted on air saying that, like uh, during one of those TNT right. games. And I, I wanted to write about it. And I wanted to actually, I don't really like this player. I don't want to, I wanted to say it or write about it. And Kyle was like, no, that's not really our deal. And, you know, you're, not in the locker room to spread gossip like that, but it's also like, yo, dude, like, don't say those gay slurs around me. Like, I'm right there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, if you're saying that around me when I'm there for that 20 minutes in the locker room, what are you really saying? And it, it was a really bizarre. I felt really uncomfortable about it, honestly. Obviously, I do, and I'm still talking about it today. And I know who you're talking about, too. So, I, yeah. you know. I wish you could out this play soon. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, what it was is when the Jason Collins thing hit, I really wanted to talk about Jason Collins, and I wanted to bring that story up and the Kobe thing up and how the NBA has changed. And, anyway, but let's talk about those Washington Wizards, Rashad. Preseason is upon us. They have played three games. Here we go. Before I tell you the, the results of this game, do you remember our preseason record last year? Do you remember the year before? Does it really matter? It doesn't, right? No clue. No, no clue. clue. No. I, I didn't even have time. I'm a terrible podcast host because I was going to actually look that up. But they have they played three games so far. They lost to the Heat, 106-95. They beat Philly, 125-119 to 119 in overtime, uh, a special game that you you endured longer than I did. Double overtime. Double overtime. Yeah, 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 yes. my, my bad, two OTs. They had a couple stoppages and delays. We'll get into those details. And they lost to the Knicks the other night, 90-88. So they're 1-2. Doesn't really matter. But what I want to talk about today on today's show was just the top storylines, what we've seen over training camp, these first few games. And we have to lead with, with John Wall because we had a podcast a couple weeks ago, multiple podcasts, where we discussed how we were pessimistic about John Wall. We, we were like, oh, great. He's not going to come back from double knee surgery till December. We knew that press release is going to come on some Friday afternoon that John Wall was shut down and... Maybe it's that documentary he's doing on his comeback. He came back the other night. He played, let's see how many minutes he played. John Wall played 16 minutes against the Knicks. I, th- I feel like this is our lead. What did you see out of John Wall, and, or how surprised are you that he's already playing a meaningless preseason game? I'm, I'm pretty shocked. I did not think that he would be back this soon. I, Like everyone, I'm used to the type of press releases that say, oh, it's a little worse than we thought. I'm not going to going to be back till January. The wall was purposely being pretty coy about when he was going to come back. And they kept saying, they kept saying things are going to happen in increments. He has to play three on three. He has to go through a full practice. He has to go through five on five. And, you know, I was just following Candace Buckner and listening to all this. And it, it, it seemed like he was ahead of schedule um, just based on what he was doing in practice and what everyone was saying. So after a while, when I heard him say he's played one, five, one, five, I figured it was close, but I didn't think he would come back um, against the Knicks in a, in a relatively meaningless game considering Rose didn't play um, because he's in court. Noah's still recovering from injury, and, you know, Marquise Morris didn't play. It wasn't exactly the best time to come because he didn't have his full uh, complement of starters, but he came back anyway, and he looked he looked decent. I mean, you can tell that he wasn't, he wasn't speeding up and down the court with reckless abandon. I don't know whether that was conscious of him not feeling 100% confident in the knee, or maybe this is a new, his new M.O. where he's going to kind of be a little more selective with his speed. But his shot was off, but his shot is always off, so that wasn't alarming. And in the first quarter, he only made one shot. But the second quarter when he came in, uh, I believe with about eight minutes to go in the game, he looked like the old John Wall where he was 
He found finding Gortat cutting to the basket. He found Beal in the corner. He found Ubre in the corner, and he got to the basket one time on an illegal screen by Gortat. He just looked like the old John Wall, so that was comforting. Uh, it was a little scary to see in the fourth quarter when he was celebrating a made basket and twisted his ankle and was noticeably limping. You know that that was a little scary. But besides that, I think he looked as good as could be expected. Um, the number one thing that was good to see is, and this is no slight to McClellan or Sadoransky or Trey Burke, but the offense just looked better. It didn't look perfect. It's, it's still stagnant in places, but it just looked better with Wall in there because he knows where he wants to go, and he also knows where he wants his teammates to go, and there was just a noticeable difference. So it's encouraging. As Phil Chenier said, what you want to make sure is that he didn't have a whole lot of soreness the next day. He had full range of motion in both his knees, and he can come and play tomorrow since he's had a day of rest. So John Wall's line, he played 16 minutes. He was 4-9 from the, from the field, 0-2 from 3. Uh, three rebounds, four assists, one steal, two turnovers, and plus 11 with eight points. A decent line, especially for someone that is coming back from those knee injuries. That's very encouraging. I did see that vine that, that Kyle shared of him celebrating, and I was like, wow. Like, you know, as someone who's a Nats fan and stressing out, when I saw Wilson Ramos, uh, Ramos uh, is out for uh, the season, or he basically jumped up for a ball catching and blew out his knee, landing down on an innocuous play. And when I saw Wall do that, I had flashbacks to him just <laughs> getting hurt. And I was like, "Yeah, dude, we just lost our cleanup hitter, best catcher in the league this year, on a, some stupid ass play when we're up eleven eight runs against the Diamondbacks, which is going to be detrimental to the Nats advancing to the World Series like I want them to." And here's John Wall celebrating, and you saw that grimace. And of course, it's a vine, so going yeah. over and over and over, which it makes you more worried than it probably is. It's worth mentioning that he only had four assists, but there were three assists that were missed. I mean, Ubre missed a wide open shot, um, Gortat missed a layup, so he had he could have had about seven assists. That just I don't know whether his teammates weren't used to him um, in those types of situations or what, but he he couldn't have more. Another top storyline aside from Wall has been this. I want to say it's manufactured, but Scott Brooks doing a motivational thing by saying the small forward position is open for competition. You know, helping Ubre get motivated, you know, get Porter, you know, hey, you know, you got to earn your spot. Competition is good. Kyle wrote a piece on Truth About It about it. I'm okay with that in a way. I still am all about auto. The season to me is all about auto, you know, more keep to a lesser standpoint and also health. But it's all about Otto making that next leap, more so than Ubre, who's still raw. But Ubre brings a lot of things to the table. So this small forward position battle has played out here in, in the first three games of this preseason. And not going to lie, it's a lot cl- – I want to say it's closer because I, I still feel like Porter's entrenched and this is not really a battle per se, Rashad. But both have looked pretty good and both have shown their skill sets – uh, very well, and what they both bring to the basketball court. What have you seen out of both those players, and where do you think that is, and what is your opinion of Scott Brooks being so public about it? First of all, I don't, I don't think it's close at all. I think that much – I mean, I'm a boxing fan. I feel like if the champion steps in the ring and all 12 rounds are close, you give it to the champion because the challenger has to do something dynamic. They have to damn near knock the other person out to win the title, and I feel like Otto has been steady. He's not going to be as dynamic – on either end of the floor is Ubre because Ubre just is naturally more flashy, but Otto's been been solid, particularly in this last game where he just picks the spots. He has an open shot, he takes it. 
He's doing a good job on defense. As Kyle mentioned in his post today, he did a better job at defending Carmelo. His hands were everywhere. He was deflecting balls. He just looked like he looked like Ubre out there, just being active on defense. But he hasn't had a game where you look at him and say, "Okay, he's overmatched or he hasn't played well." And as good as Ubre has been playing, he'll have these spurts. Particularly the last game, uh, two games ago, when he came in and hit two threes, he's shooting well. He, uh, he had seven rebounds during the last game, which was tied for the team high. So he's playing better. But when Ubre makes a mistake, it's a glaring mistake. He jumps up in the air to make a pass, or he tries to tick, go one-on-four. And he just he had six turnovers in the last game. And those are the kind of mistakes that, frankly, Otto does not make. And I think that as a new coach, Scott Brooks is looking for someone he can rely on. And it's no shame for Ubre to be coming off the bench to help the bench out. But I don't think he's done anything for me or for even Brooks to say, okay, let's let's bench Otto. Let's let's start Ubre. I, I still think Otto has the advantage because he's solid, he's reliable. He doesn't do anything great, but he doesn't turn the ball over six times. So it, it's not really a close competition. But I think if you're Scott Brooks, you have to open it up because you really don't know. You can't just lean on the fact that okay, Porter is the high draft pick. He needs to get the job because that's what's always been done. As a new coach, you're you're looking for open competition, healthy competition. And I think that Ubre earned the right to compete for the job after his performance this summer. So I, I don't fault Scott Brooks for making it very public because that's what everybody was talking about going into it. Is this going to be the year where Ubre leapfrogs Porter or is Porter going to hold his own? And right now he's doing more than that. The Sixer games really encapsulated Kelly Ubre. He, you know, had 24 points, had some flashy plays. He was two or three from threes. He'd shot well against the Heat and the Sixers from three. He struggled a little bit against the Knicks. He was over three. But you saw at the end of the game against the Sixers when it was tight in crunch time and he made a stupid-ass play. It reminded me of something Nick Young or JaVale McGee would do where they were up and, and he turned the ball over. But then you go to the other game against the Knicks and, and you have Otto you know, making a clutch steal in, in crunch time there. That's where they kind of stand. But it's also because Otto has more experience. But the Uber experience... It's going to be Uber experience, but I've seen enough, I've seen better flashes at Ubre in these three games or preseason than I'm a little bit more higher than I was about him when I saw him in Summer League. But also, there's nothing I've seen out of Porter that doesn't lead me to believe that he's ready for the jump. I mean, I don't know for sure yet, but I saw a step back out of him. I've seen him, you know, make those key passes, those key plays. He just looks seasoned. He looks ready to make it. He looks like, hey, man, I've been working this summer. Is this is that what you've seen out of those two players? Uh, I'm not ready to make that leap yet. I think better than Ubre doesn't mean he's ready. I think Porter being better than Ubre is different than him being ready to make that leap. No, no, but, but no, but go back to what you said about him making. You know, Kyle made a point about making Carmelo work. You know, he had a step back. Right. He made a step back. We never saw that out of him ever. I mean, I know, I know. That's I'm true. Cap- you right. True. But instead of LeBron and Melo and Paul George making you work so damn hard on defense to stop them. Like, make them work a little bit, right? When it's their turn to defend you. Now, is order, is Porter still, are you still going to give him the ball on the, on the baseline and say, hey, give us a bucket? No, that's Bradley Beal and John Wall's job. But is Porter going to, you know, hit that open threes and get out transition? Is he going to be around the basket? All of a sudden the ball's loose and someone puts it back in. You're like, who's that? That's Otto Porter. And that's where I feel like order Porter. Uh, is going to benefit, and especially if he knocks down those shots, how much he's worked on it over the summer because John Wall is definitely going to create him for them. 
let's go to one more. Uh, we're, we're doing rapid fire. It's going to be the quickest podcast ever uh, in the history. Uh, Sedaransky, all right, what a, what a splash that he made in his first game against the Heat. He had 10 points first uh, the Sixers. He had eight points first uh, the Heat. The other night he had two points. Didn't really, 18 minutes, didn't play as well. But I've seen flashes of him. You know, I'm still skeptical about whether I can shoot the ball regularly. I'm still skeptical whether or not he can defend. Those are still there. But there are some plays that he makes, some cuts. You can tell that he's played at these high levels. I mean, guy, I think it was Deion Waiters looked the other way, and he got an and one on him. He knew that where that angle was to draw the contact and go up. I was like, damn, man. like That's like... Like, that was a season play already for a guy. You know, obviously he's been playing in a high league over in Europe, but NBA he didn't look overwhelmed. I think that's to me has been one of the most uh, impressive things that I've seen out of Sedaransky. You know, aside from his athletic athleticness, that his athletic ability. You know, winning the dunk contest and you know having some highlight plays and you know some players talked about his prowess and he's had a couple of dunks and pick up games or practices that made them go, oh shit, what up, white boy? You, you can get up, bro. It's not so much about his athleticness because I already knew he can do that, right? It was, you know, shit. Let's let's go back. His, his you know, Jan Vesely uh, was athletic and could do some dunks. Obviously, different. He was a power forward compared to a guard. But what have you seen at Sadoransky? Are you encouraged? Where are we at? I mean, I want to pump the brakes on you know all these blog posts saying all this stuff about him. But hey, I think that he can be a valuable player for this team, and I'm still very curious to see uh, how this plays out with him. Well, first of all, if Clyde Frazier says that this kid looks like he's going to be legit, I think all of us have to, some, you know, we have, we have to say that he's ready. Who are we to disagree with Clyde, Clyde Frazier? But I think... Well, I disagree with someone's outfits. I disagree with someone's outfits, but well, keep going. Well, that, that's the whole other podcast. <laughs> but like, nothing seemed to overwhelm him. Like, he didn't... Right? He's not a typical rookie, but this is still his first year in the NBA. And he's a little older. He's, 20, he's 24. You know, he's a little older, but right. still. But I didn't see nervous energy. I didn't see unnecessary turnovers. He just looked calm and composed. He did an excellent job. Because remember, Trey Burke started in the beginning. Yep. And it was, it was kind of disheartening to watch how there was no offense. There was no flow. There was no anything. And Sadoransky came in the game, and not only was he, he was communicating, he was able to get people where they needed to be. I mean, obviously he has the height on his side. He was just playing with with composure and the way you want a point guard to play, so much so that I wanted him to start the next game. You know, I wanted to see him with the starters, and we did for a little bit, but I've been very impressed. You said something about his defense. He's not great defensively, but he has great effort. There's a lot of activity. I mean, he has limitations in terms of his quickness, but... He's getting up on defenders. And there were a couple instances where um, Sergio Rodriguez for Philly was just killing Trey Burke. And Sadoransky came in, and he's not as quick, but he was physical with him. And he just made uh, Sergio Rodriguez think a little bit. And so I, I, I appreciate the aggressiveness. He plays well with Gortat. There was a lot of two-man game there. And I think that he's, right now, I mean, I know Trey Burke was the big signing, but I would, I'd much rather see Sadoransky run the backup point. And as Kyle mentioned, I wouldn't mind seeing some Sadoransky running the point and John Wall on the two guard just because that's just a big lineup. And Sadoransky has proven just in this limited sample size that he is composed and it's not overwhelming. Now, it's preseason. And just to go back a little bit, you said that Otto has looked better in defending Carmelo. Well, I think we both agree that 
the intensity ramps up a little bit in the regular season, and that's what I worry about from Otto. Can he match that intensity? Can he do it consistently, not just for a game here and there? And that's still a concern for Sadoransky. We don't know. He's had the luxury of primarily going against players who may or may not even make the roster. I mean, he's had just limited amount of time with starters and true point guards on the other side, so we don't know how he's going to fare in those situations. But he's exceeded my expectations just for composure. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're a rookie in your first year in the NBA, and you're going against NBA players. There should be nerves there, and he hasn't shown any of that. So I'm impressed. A couple times what I like, too, is is where he got the ball on the wing, and he could have made you know a quick move inside, and he whipped the pass to the corner. Immediately, without even thinking about it, it's like stuff like that. Like it was like a you know like a high basketball IQ. And man, you were right with Kyle saying like him and Wall, especially on the break. I mean, those two dudes do some damage athletically with their with their length and their speed. Especially if one of them gets a steal, we can see some alley oops between both of them. And so, yeah, I am impressed. But let's talk about Bradley Beal. So Bradley Beal, you know, big panda, the big contract. He wants to be a leader. Wants to be the man. Little injury thing here in first week of concussion, took an elbow because we can't have nice things as DC sports fans. You know, third practice in the, the two players we gave the most money to in the offseason decide to collide. Uh, Jan, Jan Mahimi and Bradley Bill. And so Bradley Bill go through the protocol. He was, he was cleared to go. He decided to go off on a rant on Twitter about a bunch of people. That's on another podcast I have with Troy, but looked pretty damn good versus the Knicks. And so I know you wrote about this Knicks games. What did you see out of Bradley Beal versus New York? It seemed like he was just, he was in the, I would say he's in the zone, small sample side, obviously preseason, like you were mentioning. But hey, man, he got wherever he wanted to do. His confidence was 100%. And it looked like maybe like, yeah, man, he's ready. He's ready to go this season. What, what I saw in, in, you know, obviously I don't want to overhype it all. But it wasn't like, oh, let's go through the motions. It's a preseason game. It was like, yo, give me the ball. I'm going to go where I want to do. I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, I saw the guy that wants to be the all-star. First, let's let's um, let's take some time to rave about his new body, shall we? I think yeah, Steve yes, Buckhans yes, would, would, yes. would want us to, to talk about this. Anatomy. About his, At, I can't, his I can't. anatomy. Just how cut up he is. I mean, Steve Buckhans just was drooling himself leading up to training camp and during training camp about how he was just a specimen. So I, first, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, right? But, I mean, we're joking, but there were a couple of instances where he was being posted up against a bigger player, and in years past, he may have gotten just abused. Like, you know, he was trying to defend Jeremy Grant and couldn't quite, you know, hold up against him, but he was also defending Dario Saric of the Sixers, and he did a good job. So he's noticeably stronger on defense, and that, I mean, that's, that's encouraging. But on offense, you can tell that he spent the summer not rehabbing, but working on his game. He looks quicker. He's made a conscious effort to get to the line, and he's getting to the line. He has just, you know, the step back looks quicker. He just looks sharp. He looks like he's in midseason form already, and I couldn't really tell how sharp he was until Wall came back because, you know, he played well without Wall, but in that second quarter when they uh, went from trailing by seven to winning by three, you could just see he and Wall were just, it it was like they had never missed any time, and I'm just, I'm impressed by how sharp he looks and his willingness on defense to take that challenge. I think he's feeling a little more confident in his body about his health, and so it's, it's encouraging. Now, I'm not, he said he was disrespected by the Knicks throwing 
big men at him, which was kind of unrealistic. I mean, even LeBron James gets different looks every time down the floor. I don't, I don't, I don't know why he was so disrespected by that. He should be looking at that as complimentary. But I don't, I don't worry about Beal. He looks good. He looks sharp. And it was, it was good to see that little sample size in the second quarter when the Wizards were, tra- were trailing and he and Wall um, kind of came back. So he, he looks great. I, I think that that's one thing to be encouraged about. I know that It'll take Wall a little bit to get in shape, but Bill looks like he's in midseason form. He, he's fallen a couple times. He's taken a couple hard hits. He didn't get up limping. He didn't get up, you know, doing the Vince Carter thing. I think like he was he was injured. He just he just looked, and he looks strong. Well, I'm glad that Bradley Bill is talking about big guys getting switched off on him and being insulted because it reminds me of the monster podcast we had about the whole Wall and. B.O. dust up that the point I made about Wall sometimes, or not Wall, B.O. just talking out of his ass and this false bravado sometimes he has, that's a great example that it's not just about his own teammates. Sometimes he says it about other players. Now, Rashad, there has been one training camp surprise, I would say, from this roster of these guys that we have five or six guys fighting for, you know, one or two spots, I mean, two spots, maybe three, but probably two, has been. Sheldon McClellan, who did not play versus the Knicks, uh, he had a DMP, but versus the shitty-ass Sixers, he had 20 points, and versus the Heat, he only had three points, but his one bucket was this sweetest bucket I've seen in a long time, this slick-ass move, but he has defended, Wizards Twitter is a buzz, Bullets Forever, Wizard, uh, Wizards Reddit, everyone is like, ah, right, man, I'm out, I'm out on Daniel House, I'm back in on McClellan, and it's surprising because... I talked to us with Troy Halburn. We talked about these last spots, and, and I really thought Daniel House was going to be the man here. House has not really done much. McClellan has looked like he has belonged, and McClellan was the one that was maybe going to be the second-round pick. House wasn't a pick. House looked better in Summer League. McClellan, I, I don't remember anything for him in Summer League at all. Sometimes Summer League's a little difficult because you're trying to get shots to you know Aaron White and, and Eddie and, and Oubre, but... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, McClellan looks like he belongs in the NBA, athletic, can defend, finish. What have you seen out of him, and how surprised have you? And Do you feel like he is probably the lead guy to now make this roster? I want to say yes, but that's, that's funny you ask that, because that's one of the things I'm going to ask Scott Brooks tomorrow is, did that game against Philly kind of cement McClellan's place on the team, or does he need to see something else? Is that, why, like, is, that, is that why he didn't play for some Knicks? No. Or is it preseason and he just did that, right? You know, that's a good question. I don't know why he didn't play because because Wall was back or he wanted to be Sadoransky or did he play number. But I think that if if I'm Scott Brooks and I saw what McClellan did primarily against the backups against Philly, and he was great. He led the comeback. He played energy. He defended. He got to the bucket. I mean, he just looked like a real point guard, and he was quick. I think one of the things, he, the advantages he has over Sedaransky is, is the quickness. And he was more confident than Trey Burke. And it, it just was nice to see someone who was not afraid to take the big shot and run the team. But I think it kind of behooves you, if you're a Scott Brooks, that you want to see him against some better competition to see how he handles himself. And just to see how he follows up a big game. You know, does he come back and start jacking up shots or does he continue to play within himself so i'll be curious to see if he plays against the 76ers uh, tomorrow night but right now like you said daniel house has not done anything of, of consequence so you know right now he's 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 the leader in terms of the fringe players who can make this team but I, i'm pretty sure he has to do 
something of note um, in the rest of the preseason games. But watching that double overtime game, you know, as excruciating it was to have to watch double overtime, it was made better by watching him play because he was just enthusiastic. He had a lot of energy, and he did. If you're coming up with the blueprint of what you want a backup player to do to make the team, he did it. He was right there. He was mixing it up. He played well with Sedaransky, which is encouraging. It actually helps him in terms of making the team. And I was I was very impressed because I did not – I expected him to go the Casper Rare route, which is to not play a lot when he did play, to be kind of nondescript and to just get cut. He's kind of made Scott Brooks say, you need to look at me. I'm just, I just hope he follows it up at some point soon with – another uh, good output. Well, if, if there's any players on this team that is definitely going to get cut on this roster for, for the preseason, it is Casper Ware. But Casper Ware has led us to the probably the most interesting thing to say in these these three games is his little dust-up with Brandon Jennings of the Knicks. I know you wrote about this game. Jennings was quoted. I sent you on IM the other day. I think I tweeted it out about he was mad at Casper Ware, who's from Cali. I think he played at Long Beach State. Uh, played last year for Tony Parker's team in France, and and actually was the MVP of the the, the number one league in of France, and they won the, they won the title. It was a little upset. They were like the fourth ranked team and beat uh, Francis Beaubois, uh in the final. And Casper was just busting out 30, 30 footers and stuff. But there, there's no shot of him really actually making this team. So he's the one player. I mean, there's some other ones. I'd say maybe Johnny O'Brien. You know, House, Ochefu is probably some long shots, but for sure, where is the longest of shots to make this team? So he's probably not, barring injury. But he got a little dust up with Brandon Jennings, who actually went in his face and then later on said that it had to do with uh, the Drew League out in California. I thought it was some petty ass shit. Like, you saw this live. What the hell? Well, it was odd. I mean, I didn't have the background information that I have now, but at the time I was watching it, I saw there was a play where Brennan's running up, but he was hit by Casper Ware. And after he made the shot, he kind of got in Casper Ware's face. And Ware wasn't paying attention. He was trying to get the ball to go back out the court. And then they got kind of tangled up. And then, why are you all in my shit? And kind of went at it in a double, double technical. And at that point, I just thought it was odd. Well, not it wasn't that odd because about 30, no, I'd say about two minutes before the game, which was run on basically MSG Network, they ran this little this little bit where they talked to Brandon Jennings and he said that I want to be like the old Knicks. I want to be like the Anthony Mason and Greg Anthony Knicks. We want to be antagonizing. I want to pick a fight and I want the crowd to get behind me. And so when I saw him doing that, I thought that he was just doing a preseason version of trying to be a rabble rouser and trying to do all of this and just to hype up the crowd and pump himself up. But then Two minutes after the double technical, I saw Chris Miller said it dates back to the Drew League. And, you know, I looked up some things and I saw that Casper Ware had a hell of a Drew League. I mean, he he put up a lot of points and he was doing the things that Brandon Jennings typically does when he goes to the Drew League. I didn't see them ever go head to head. Maybe I didn't do enough research. Frankly, I didn't really give a damn. But no matter what, I just thought it was petty for Brandon Jennings is not stupid. I'm sure he knows that it is a long shot for Casper Ware to even make a roster and for you to antagonize him like that was just, it, it, it was just petty. And I, and, and it was low-hanging fruit, to be honest. And I think Scott Brooks, thank God he stuck up for Casper Ware after the game, saying that it was basically Bush League. So I didn't, I don't know, it, it was just petty. I mean, Brandon Jennings. Well, what, no, was, was, yeah, what, what pissed me off about it was two things. One, you're, you're, you're punching down is what we're saying, right? 
It's like Brandon Jennings. Exactly. You're already, you're already exactly. in the league. This guy's barely there. You're bringing us some shit about summer league, bro. Come on now, summer league. You're punching down to a guy. And second of all, you started the shit. And then all of a sudden, when Ware was like, "What up, man?" And then Jennings is like, "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about." Then all of a sudden, start chuckling, playing to the crowd, and all this stuff. It's like, dude, you started this shit. It was kind of like Dennis Rodman esque. Like back in the day when Dennis Rodman would do all his cheap shots and then he'd be like, put his hands up and be like, whoa, what was me? I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, you just fucking jacked that guy in the balls. And then all of a sudden you'd be like, what do you mean, ref? What do you mean? Look, this guy's all mad at me. Like, I'm like, yo, dude, like it's a preseason fucking stupid game. Anyway, that's probably the last time we'll talk about, uh, where is there anything that you've seen in those three games that you're concerned about? Well, Adam, I'm glad you mentioned that. There are two things I'm concerned about. Number one, defense. I think that the backup unit, particularly Oubre and Johnny O'Brien and Andrew Nicholson, they have done a great job at defending, um, especially this, this last game. They came in, they communicate, they're, you know, they, they're good on switches, they do a good job of defending. But for the three games, the starters, no matter who is starting, the defense has been lackluster. And in the first game, they had 35 points. Um, the last game, I mean, they just were allowing a bunch of open threes from Carmelo and Jennings, and it was just concerning. Not necessarily that they were giving up points, but the way they were giving up points, no closeouts, no communication. It doesn't matter in the preseason because halfway through the first quarter, the backups are in, and it's just a revolving door personnel-wise. But there has not been a good start defensive rotation, a good starting defense from any of the starters at all. That's a big concern. And number two is Jason Smith. You know, he just looks like he's lost. Porzingis, Porzingis is an upcoming player that's going to happen, but he hasn't found his shooting stroke yet. He doesn't look like he's really in tune defensively along with the rest of the players. And I just, I, I'm a little that he's not going. If he's not going to, he should be on the bench. Um, so those are the two things that jump out at me. I'm sure Scott Brooks, who's harped on defense all of training camp, has told his players this is the second time in a week we're going to see Philly. I would like to see some better defense. So maybe tomorrow that part won't be a big issue, but it isn't because there's no consistent defense. Well, Jason Smith told me he gets stuck in traffic from Bethesda going to the Verizon Center, so maybe he's maybe he's lost. <laughs> maybe he's lost, or maybe he's taking the red line like myself, and you're waiting for a train forever, or you're on the train and it's not moving like I was tonight, to go from the Chinatown to DuPont Circle, and it took 25 minutes because the train wouldn't move. Yeah, hopefully we don't talk about Jason Smith much. I, I hope he doesn't play. Two more questions before we go, because I, t- I, t- I told you this is going to be the quickest. I know you have a show to go watch with your beautiful wife, who I love. Is there any sense of what, watching these games is hard, right? Like, we're, we're discussing a bunch of games we're not going to talk about. These roles don't matter. But Rashad, have you got any sense of Scott Brooks' style at all? Have you got any sense of anything from these people? Is it just hard? I mean, you got different players, and, you know, like we said, McClellan played well, and they didn't even play. Wall's coming back. Sadorinsky played a bunch of minutes and didn't play. We've had some injuries here and there, which we're going to get into in the last topic. Have you got any type of idea what Scott Brooks wants to do at all? None. None, I haven't, right? and it's, it's difficult. It's just very difficult because he's trying to he's trying to learn the players. Half these players are trying to learn each other. Their strengths are players who are trying to like make mix, the roster. Like mixes their strengths and weaknesses, right? Right. Most of them play because he's injured, the starters don't play for a very long time, and you're still trying to figure out is it going to be Porter or Oubre. And so, like, when I watch the Cleveland Cavaliers play in the preseason, even though J.R. Smith isn't there, when they start, you have a good feel for what the starters are going to do, who they are. And so they only need to play together for about five, six minutes, 
intervals because they know each other. They have, yeah, I don't know what Scott Brooks, Scott Brooks would like to do. All I know from him, because he's harped on this, is defense. And I just know the second and third units have been better defensively than the starters. So I'm hoping at least some game, and maybe it'll be, but I'd like to see a game where he lets the starters go the entire first quarter. I'm hoping Morris is healthy so I can see the actual starting five, so I can start to see his identity. It's difficult to see what Coach Brooks' idea is. There's so many parts and there are so many things that aren't at his disposal just yet. So I, I have no idea what his style is. I don't know what his tendencies are. He doesn't have a Brooks face. For him to develop those things, but it's just, you know, he's had different starting lineups, and so I, I just can't tell just yet. Do you just create a Brooks face hashtag? Do, do I need to make this? I mean, I am one of the curators of Whitman Face. I mean, you can Google it. Hashtag Whitman Face. It's great videos. I, I've i talked to Chris Singleton about it uh, on, on the Twitter machine. We've DM'd. I, I sent him a video that I made a couple about two or three years ago, about Women Face. His own daughter knew about Women Face. Steinberg, our friend Dan. Happy happy holiday to you, Dan. Brooks Face. I like, I like Brooks Face, Rashad. It's really hard with Brooks Face with the glasses, right? It's going to be really hard. So it would be like Brooks Face is going to be like different things of his glasses. It would be like movements of his glasses. Like when he's really pissed, it would be like he has his glasses, different levels. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like Brooks Glass Face, maybe. I want to let the people know about these injuries so far. So, Yam Mahimi, you know, not only did he give an elbow to Bradley Beal, like the third practice they had, which gave him a, a, a mild concussion, he has had a little knee thing, so he's been held out. He's played sparingly the last couple of games, not very many minutes. He played in against the Sixers, he played 12 minutes. And against the Knicks, he played 14 minutes, so we haven't really seen much out of him. Marcus Thornton who is the guy I would cut, aside from where, but he's not going to cut him because Ted Leonson uh, is cheap. I don't know. No, he's not cheap. I don't know. I don't know why they signed Marcus Thornton, but they signed him to a $1.2 million, the cheapest vet minimum deal you can have for his veteran leadership, not really for him to jack up shots in garbage time. I, I don't really know why he's on the team, but he's been hurt all preseason, hasn't played in any preseason game. Trey Burke sat out last game. And Morris sat out last game as well. So there's a little nicks and bruises here. Any concern of any of these injuries, Rashad? No. I mean, Morris uh, sat out today, but, you know, he showed in the first game that he's he's ready. I'm not worried about that. Uh, Trey Burke, it, it would be different if he had a tremendously effective performance in any of the games, but he just he, he looks lost out there. You feel down on Trey Burke? I just... I don't know. Utah gave up on him and, and didn't look back, and I just have not—I haven't seen anything from him that makes me think, okay, this guy's a legitimate player. So it's—it's it's early. I don't—I don't want to be negative, but I just—I haven't seen anything. So the fact that he's hurt doesn't really—it's not really a big deal to me. Filling his oats, right? Like trying to figure out, trying to do what the coaches say, make the right passes before he starts maybe trying to do his thing. But you're right. I'm very skeptical of Trey Burke's. I mean, it's a, it was a low trade. It's a low risk trade. So I'm not. There's not that much investment. So I'm not going to get mad if it doesn't work out per se. There's people that are higher on his talent because he was a player of the year. He was a lottery pick. He did have. He was a, on the all rookie team. He fell out of favor in Utah on a, on a struggling team, and hopefully he knows his role here. But what I'm hearing from you is it doesn't seem like he's really finding any type of role. Hasn't been aggressive. Maybe maybe too much pass, passivity here so far. 
Yeah, I mean, Sadoransky has come in and just grabbed this competition by the balls and just looks great. Trey Burke just, he, he doesn't have it. I mean, he looks, he looks like a rookie out there. You know, he, he's not, he doesn't really play well. He doesn't defend well. Oh. And so, so to answer your question, no, I'm not concerned about him being injured. He should be concerned because he needs, you know, he needs to, he needs for the coaching staff to build a little more confidence in him because right now he, he just looks lost. Uh, our friends from Bullets Forever tweeted, you know, what is he good at? And that's a legitimate question. There's nothing that he's done out there that makes me believe that he's good at any particular thing. And with McClellan, McClellan energy and Sadoransky looking like a seasoned veteran, he just looks like the odd man out right now. Mike. You know, old Bulls forever, uh, SB Nation, he is not a big fan of, of Trey Burke signing. Or not signing, trade. I keep saying signing because we signed so many dudes. Yon Mahimi, I, I, I don't want him to play the rest of preseason. I, just, I mean, if he has some knee thing, I don't need to see anything from him at all. Him or Gortat, shut him down. Let's start up when the, re- when the real season happens. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, he his job is to play... Good post defense. I mean, that's that's really all he can do. I think I saw a line or a clip of Paul George saying that the Pacers already miss Mahimi's interior defense. That's that's pretty much what he's good for. I mean, this is this is spilling into. By the way, I was I was going to mention Eric Maynard when I said Trey Burke, but it meant oh, too early to, to to break out that reference. So I wait. But I think the bigger concern is, and Kyle alluded to this, is that because this team looks so disjointed, say for a couple of minutes in the second quarter. I just have concerns about the overall outlook of this team. You know, there there are a lot of teams in the East who have played together or who have made moves like Boston that will only enhance what the team does. And with the Wizards, they're they're starting over. They play like a team that does not know what the other strengths are just yet outside of Wall and Beal and and Gortat. And I just, I I have concerns about this team. Like, I, I don't. I'm not expecting a whole lot in the first couple of months. And the signings that they've made from Jason Smith to Nicholson to Mahimi aren't exact. Like, I haven't looked at any of those players play and said, okay, this this is a tremendous upgrade. And so that's what concerns me is that last season I, I expected this team to do well. This season I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, and I don't want to be negative or be pessimistic. But when you watch them play in the preseason and when you look at this roster, you just don't have a sense that, Okay, this is the playoff team. I feel great about the team. It's very shaky. Someone asked me, how's the Wizards going to be, Adam? I've had multiple people that they know I have a podcast about the team. They know I blog about the team. They know that I spend way too much of my fucking free time on this basketball team, this mediocre middling basketball team. They know I give a shit, and I'm educated or credible, and that's why people are listening to me and you rant about this. And I tell them, I don't know how. Shame on them. Yeah, shame on them. But but some some of these people are actually fans. Some of them are just yo. Hey, the season's starting again. Oh, there's a Wizards preseason game. Adam, what's up? Are they gonna be good or not? In my true opinion, honestly, is I don't think I I don't know. And and here's the other thing, Rashad. I don't even know if the team knows. Does the franchise know? Does anyone know? Does Scott Brooks know? Does anyone know about what this mix is gonna do? Like, I, I, and if they are, they're lying to themselves or they're, or they're making it up. And I don't mean it from a negative sense. I don't mean that it's going to go poorly or it's going to be awesome. I think that there is just so much unknown about all this mix that has came in. You know, because when you talk about flexibility and you get all these players and we have salary cap and then you have all these, you know, non-guaranteed contracts, you know, we don't, we don't get the whore for the Durant, obviously. We're not going to go into that. 
but then you get these plan B or plan C, plan C, and you have this mix. And even if Wall and Beal are healthy, and we got Sadoransky, and what, we got a Porter, what do we got an Ubre? Is Markeith going to be Markeith? Is Gortat going to go down? What's Mahimi going to bring in? Is Jason Smith going to be any decent? You know, who's Trey Burke? Who's our backup point guard? Who's our second unit? I mean, there's so many variables and so many question marks. And basically, I've just previewed my preview podcast, which is going to come up here with Kyle Wida, a little preview for all you people. He's going to finally talk to me for a couple hours, hopefully soon. And we're going to preview all these question marks. But Rashad, like, I don't really know the answer. And here's the thing. I don't know if the team knows the answer, right? Well, John Wall said today on, I don't know if it was Instagram or John or Twitter, is that he said that basically that y'all started something, y'all being the media and the fans, oh. with this Bill Wall beef. And he said that we're going to finish it. So I think John Wall is confident on what the team can do. But aside from that, I, I don't know that anyone else is. And I think that how can you be when your best player has had two knee surgeries and has looked good in the first test, but there's a much more strenuous test coming up and your second best player has never played 70 games in a basketball pretty, season ever, right? Has not played 70 games and you have to consciously, you have to constantly be watching his minutes because you don't want him to get a stress related injury. And, you know, there's just, you don't know. I mean, what you do know is that this roster seems a little bit not quite as good as the last as last year, maybe more versatile, but not quite as talented, and you don't know. So, no, Rashad, here's the other thing. And then the two other players that make the, the, the third and fourth best money, which is Jan and Gortat, can't play on the court at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what do you see on Nicholson? Anything? Nicholson has the game of a 40-year-old man, a.k.a. Yeah. me. Yes. Um, down to, down to it, Jewish it, Center. It, Can you say happy holidays to our Jewish brothers and sisters? Uh, it's, it's, it's the big holiday today, by the way. Yes, I, I noticed because Tony Kornheiser was not on his show today. I know that's your, that's your, that's your best friend. Yes. But he was not on the show today honoring the holiday. But Andrew Nicholson, is. it takes him way too long to get into his offense. I mean, he's made nice moves, but again... He makes most of his moves against the second and third teams. I just see him as a liability. I mean, this league is getting quicker and more versatile, and he is a throwback to the 90s where you throw the ball into a big man and you kind of give them 15 seconds to develop their move. So I haven't seen anything. Johnny O'Brien looked especially good in the last game because he seemed active and disruptive, so I have more faith in him. But I just – again, do you, I look at – I look at Cleveland, and I look at Boston, and I look at Al Horford, and I look at some of these players that are just big and versatile and athletic, and I just have serious concerns about what the Wizards can put up to offset that. Actually, last point, last point before I go, because I know you got to go hang out with your wife. So we, we talked about how we think McClellan is going to be the 13th person, right? And there's another roster spot. I'm most positive I'm not going to have a 15th roster spot because that's always that's always Grunfeld's mo to to leave that open and flexible. So are they going to go to the Eddie? I mean, are they going to keep McClellan and Eddie, or do you feel like they're going to keep another big, which is O'Brien or Achefu? Is it O'Brien? Is O'Brien maybe going to make this this team? He might. I mean, right? he looks very disruptive. I mean, I don't see why Jared Eddie or Jarrell Eddie is a made man in terms of making the roster. I mean, he hasn't shot the ball lights out since the first game he played. You know, especially, I especially when they already have Marcus Thornton, by the way. So he'd be like the third one behind Marcus Thornton, right? Right. He's not. I mean, 
I, I don't see why he he deserves a roster spot, but O'Brien does. Again, we'll see how he plays later on. Bro, Eddie has to have to end up by his and I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. But Johnny O'Brien look, looks good, and I, I kind of don't like the fact that the preseason is so long, but for these players who are kind of on the fringe of making the team, they need every bit of that time to, to prove to Scott Brooks that they can make it. And right now, Eddie has not done anything. Casper Ware is going to get cut, but I think we need to see one more game from O'Brien and or McClellan to prove that they deserve to be on this roster. So tomorrow night, we're recording this, I told you on, you know, fuck you, Christopher Columbus Day. Tomorrow on October 13th, Thursday, we play at home at the Verizon Center against the Sixers. Saturday, we play... Yes, sir, I will be there. And Saturday, we play in Lexington, I believe, against Boogie Cousins. No TV, because NBA doesn't have TV for that game. Last year, same thing, where John Wall and Anthony Davis didn't have TV for the game in Lexington, where John Cal Perry, I guess, makes it happen. And then they play at... Wait, so Adam, are you telling me that this monumental Comcast merger, despite the the, the meeting of the minds, that I'm not going to see the game... Against, uh, in, in Kentucky? Are you, is this what you're telling me? Dude, I'm telling you, you can get every Valor Arena football game on your smartphone. Uh, <laughs> all of it. You can, stream, you can stream the Mystics and the Valor. All, you can get everything. You, you can get in the locker room. Can I subscribe? You can subscribe at all. See, see, <laughs> see, Rashad, I feel like you're trolling me right now. Because I'm trying to get off the, I'm trying to get off this podcast so you and your wife can go hang out and your wife will be mad about me keeping you up all night talking about these wizards. Because right now, you know, I'm about to go off on a 10, 15 minute rant about this new deal. Uh, about, you I know, know, I know. I, I know. It, that's how you push my buttons. It's almost like you're my friend. It's how you know where my buttons are pushed, Rashad. <laughs> For those not knowing, uh, Comcast and, uh, Monumental and, who owns the Wizards, Ted Leosis, had They announced a deal yesterday, which I had a podcast about this with uh, John O'Ran from Sport Business a year ago, which we basically got on the details about this. All I want to know, Shot, is that uh, so the team is going to own a third of the network covering them, and then the network is going to own an equity in the team. Does this sound like propaganda to you? Is there any chance of uh, objectivity would be probably lost? Because this independent Wizards Media, which go buy Sneakus, 10% off. What, what a segue here, Rashad. 10% off, and at checkout, put Pixel and Roll. Uh, you get DC DMV uh, apparel, and you help support this, this show. And Wizards Media, that is not owned by Podcast or Monumental because I don't have a price. Actually, I do have a price because me and Rashad talk about the real Sixers tomorrow night. At Sacramento on Saturday, Cleveland at home next Tuesday. Maybe I'll go to that. Actually, I'm not going to go to that because the because the Nationals would play in the Cubs in Game Three of the uh, not me knocking wood of the NLCS. And then, oh no, that's at Cleveland. My bad. I don't, it's actually not at Cleveland. It's somewhere else. And then they play Toronto at home for the preseason the last game next Friday the 21st. In two Fridays, what would you like to see out of these preseason games before we go, Rashad? Anything? You have the mic for the last. Minute. I would like to see. I would like to see the starters play uh, the majority of the first half. I would like to see some continuity. I would like for them to be efficient and to blow someone out. I would like to see Ubre play with a little more consistency and kind of make Scott Brooks' decision about whether to start he or Porter in the lineup a little more difficult. And frankly, I want to see McClellan make the team. So I'm I'm rooting for him. 
to make the team to have some energy. I think that if we look at some of the other point guards who have made this team in years past, from Antonio Daniels to who was the short guy? Price. Uh, it'll come to me. To um, Will Bynum, AJ Price, Boykins. Well, not Price. No Boykins. The, oh, oh, no, no, Boykins. Yeah. <laughs> Dribble, 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 dribble. Maybe we should have a podcast all about. Maybe we should have a podcast like in the offseason just about John Wall's like backup point guards and just us rant about them because I know how much that pisses you off about the backup point guards, how bad they are running the offense. Do we include uh, Gilbert Arenas in that or no? Well, you know, they were best friends there for a while. Uh, no, Kurt Heinrich was the, remember, it was, it was the big three. Kurt Heinrich, Gilbert Arenas, and John Wall there in 2010. <laughs> that was on a Ted Takes blog. Heinrich was pretty good. But... That, that was a Ted Takes blog post. I'm not even making that up. Ted Leonsis blogged that and said that. No, I'm not, that, that was me parodying his blog post. But anyway, keep going. So that, those are the things I want to see. Um you know, I don't care about wins and losses because it just doesn't happen in the preseason, but I just want to see consistency from the starters. I want to see, hopefully, someone from the French players to distinguish themselves to make the team. I'd also like to see someone control Embiid tomorrow. I, I don't think it's going to be Gortat because Gortat doesn't have the skill set to do it, but I'd like to see uh, someone on the Wizards keep him in check, and that would probably be O'Brien. But now, now I'm just rambling. I, I just want to see a good performance from the starters. What are you going to ask? What are you going to What are you going to ask Scott Brooks tomorrow? I know you pre, you talked about it earlier, but what What do you want to actually talk to Scott Brooks? Which let me tell the people listening, Scott Brooks, a lot better to ask questions to than Mister Randall Bobby Knight Whitman, by the way. A lot easier, less intimidating. Right, and he's not as jaded. I'm I'm going to ask him because I'm I want to know does he have a a set list of things that he needs to see from those French players. In terms of who's going to make the team, does he know on his mind who's going to make it already? Has anyone come up to him and asked him point blank, what do I do? What do I need to do to make this team? So I'm going to ask him about the French players and then who's going to make the roster and, and all of that. Um, I'm not going to ask him about Uber Porter because then he'll give me a cliche. So that's, that's what I really want to know. And I want to know how long he plans on playing the starters because you can't just assume uh, the Bulls are doing with Wade and like LeBron is, you know, they're doing with him in Cleveland. You can't just skimp on the minutes because Wall needs the reps. The starting lineup needs the reps before going into the starting, into the regular season. So I'm going to ask him how long he's going to play them and what's the minutes limit. You know, so we'll see. It depends how big the scrum is, but those are the questions I have going in. Rashad, that that is all I have on my list. Thank you so much for joining me. Tell your beautiful wife, because we ran over about 15 to 20 minutes, because, you know, just locker room talk, bro. Just locker room talk. Just be like, hey, Adam said that we ran over. I'm sorry that I was late for us to uh, to watch. What's the show? Atlanta? Atlanta. Let, 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 me, let me get off on a tangent yes, right before it. I go. Yes. I mean, just logistically speaking. Who, who, the, who the hell is going to go up to a woman and grab them in their lady parts? Like, logistically speaking, who, who the hell is going to do that? Like, not only is it insulting to women, but it's an, it's an outdated... Like, yes. I, I just, I just thought, I was trying to, I was sitting there thinking, I was talking to one, I was talking to my dad, and I was like, did you do this in your day? Is it a generational thing? Did you go and did you grab women? And he was like, no, I've never heard of that. I've, I've never, never heard of that. You know? I mean, she, if you're going to, if you're going to be... If you're going to be that kind of creepy dude and you're going to grab something, I can think of something 
two things in particular that you're going to grab if you're if you're going to live the creepy life. But you're not going to grab a woman. At, unwarranted. Yeah, I, I, unwarranted. Like, unwarranted, too, by the way, right? No, I mean, who, like, rich or, no, or not rich, that's just the thing is, not is a good look. Dude, locker room talks like, yeah, man, oh, yeah, like, yeah, man, like, you know, I hooked up with her, oh, yeah, 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 she, like, did something to me, oh, I do this to her, blah, 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 but it's just, like, sexual, as in, like, you're gonna, like, hook up with her, or you hooked up with her, or whatever, it isn't something that you're proud of, or whatever, but there's no something to just be like, yo, dude, uh, I'm just gonna kiss her, get some Tic Tacs, and take her furniture shopping, and just grab her pussy. Well, yo, dude, you can't really just grab a girl's pussy randomly. We're talking about things that we're going to no. do to girls who actually want to hook up with you. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, it's girls you're already hooking up right. with. And, and and that's not one of them. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's like you're being a braggart. Like, right. you know, Clearly, some, sometimes it's bullshit. Like, sometimes it's not. Be like, oh, I hooked up with her. And you'd be like, no, you didn't, man. I found out you didn't, right? Or it'd be like, yo, you're hooking up with her, hooking up with her friend. What's this up? But this guy's just straight up being like, oh, hot girl, oh, I'm so awesome. I'm just going to grab her in this way. And, like, that's my open move. Which I've never heard that shit ever, dude. <laughs> I've, I've never heard that either. And, I, okay, that, that, that's enough. That's just that's just bad business. So, yeah, yeah. On, on that note, we're, we're going to end on yeah, I should, uh, a note I, I, of genitalia, which is very classic. Yeah, I should probably... I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll edit all this out, probably. But, Rashad, uh, thank you so much for your dedication to Wizards preseason basketball. Like, everyone that listens to this should know. And who are you? I'm Adam. I laugh a lot. Did I laugh a lot on this podcast, by, by the way? I didn't, did I? I, I mean, I laugh a lot. No, I don't. You didn't. You, you can fulfill your quota, though, in the last 30 seconds or so. You can just yeah, well, we're talking, well, we're talking about pussy and shit, dude. Like, I mean, shit. Like, I have to laugh at that. But... but, but <laughs> But to let the people to let the people know, we started because the podcast is you know obviously doing well. So then now that means we have haters, and that's what I was on Wizards Twitter, and they've been hating on some of the things that we do. But then I'm also like, dude, thanks for listening, man. <laughs> that's the thing about haters, right, Rashad? It's like you've right, been, listen- you've right. been listening, right? Because <laughs> like half the time, be like, oh, you got a podcast, got to download it, man. You know, like, oh, I like the Wizards. Let me check it out. And now instead, you got people who are listening, and then they're ripping on you, but they keep listening. So I'm like, well, yeah, are you keep listening because you're hating on me? It's like this the fourth season of Weeds. I kept watching to hate watch it. It's like the last season of Dexter. I kept watching to hate watch it. Downton Abbey. I had the same thing. Like I like like these shows for a while. Then I was hate watching. No, I think these people just straight up like are just listening to our stuff to hate us. So shout out to the haters and shout out to all the people that are supporting us because me and Rashad really appreciate it. The season has not begun yet, and hopefully you're ready. I'm excited to see where this all leads out, and we're fans, and the games will happen, and I'm sure we'll all be back on the ledge here, and we'll all talk about it as group therapy. So. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for Rashad. And as always, go mother effing wizards. Peace out. I can come straight undone I found some nuts on words from so far It's so good any day What you think is solid earth can jump up And spread out to the north and south That's what plates are about Nature has no conscience, no kindness or ill will But the dreams they had make me sad Because of the vice of the